Lords of the Limited is proud to be brought to you in part by StarCityGames.com. Not only are they the home of the top content and coverage on the web, they're also the world's largest independent retailer for Magic the Gathering singles and supplies. For more information, visit StarCityGames.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, not only are we the Lords of Limited, we just established that you and I are both the Broom Brothers. How do you feel about that as our new our new podcast name? That that sounds good. We've had a good run. One, two, three, 123 episodes as the Lords of Limited. But from here on out, I think uh, starting next week, we'll be the Broom Brothers. I think that'll hold up not only for this set, but for future sets. <laughs> we just both looked at our top drafted uncommon and we're both very glad to know that it is the Broom. Sorcerer's Broom. Yeah, I mean card is good i think we may need to give a little like five minute broom corner sweep it up talk about why sorcerer's broom is so good each and every week yeah i I think so it deserves it honestly it really does yeah look i've made we had a lot of tweets at us this past week people being like look i feel like i needed to have the fantasia music playing in the background while i was doing this draft because look at how many brooms i made and it's the real deal but it really needs to be awarded for the times that you're not making like six brooms, but you just make one other broom. That's the goodies right there. It's the goodies. Yeah. yeah. One broom and you're doing it. All right. So you got to stream today, Ben, and uh, maybe you got to play a little bit earlier this week as well. Maybe we'll check in on the trophy leaderboard to start, see how things are rolling for you. Yeah, I got seven drafts in this week. I savagely crushed today. I went 6-0-12-0 in the two drafts I did today. Ooh. Um, so I am now 29 drafts deep, 62 and 24 overall record, nine trophies, and a seven. 72% win rate. I was trying to get up to double digits in trophies, but I just ran out of time. Oof. You'll, you'll get there. You'll, you'll be there next week for sure. I'm up to 98 drafts, just just a couple shy of that, that hundo mark. Uh, 204 to 84 win loss, 34 trophies, 71% win rate. That is insane. How many times did you draft Ixalan? Uh, over 200. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's what I was remembering. Are you going to get there on Eldraine? I think so. I think we're going to crack it. I mean, we still have two and a half more months of this format. Like the next set doesn't come out until January, like late January. There'll be some cubes that I'll want to play here and there, but I think we've got a lot to discuss for this format. I don't think we're going to run out of material anytime soon. No, I absolutely agree. I am glad this format's sticking around because I feel like I've barely dipped my toe in the water. I feel comfortable drafting it, but I don't feel like I've gotten to enjoy being good at the format. Yeah. I also feel like we're seeing with like how undervalued white is at the moment, and we'll get to talking about that in just a little bit, but I'm feeling like glimmers of what happened during Hour of Devastation where there were these like huge metagame shifts where like things happened for weeks. I have to imagine at some point everyone's going to correctly start evaluating these white cards and understanding how good white aggro decks are and then things will even out into uh, another fashion and I'm excited for that shift to, to happen. I was telling you today when I was watching you draft and you were just getting all these obscenely late white cards and I was like this is killing the format for me because I feel like every other draft I have to draft white, red, aggro people come into my chat all the time and they're like boros again (laughs) and like would you have ever thought that i would be like happy to draft boros one but that my favorite draft format of all time would be a format where boros was my most drafted color pair it's karma (laughs) yeah it's m19 coming back and going see told you boros is good Um, hate is cruel that's very very true so we are gonna do our patented 
full 45 episode this week. We're going to be diving into one of Ben's drafts, going the full 45 picks deep, looking at each decision he made, uh, sort of reviewing things after pack one and pack two, figuring out where he's bobbing and weaving, evaluating cards, all that good stuff. We love getting to do these episodes. And this format, I think, is really ripe with a lot of good material for going through an entire draft. But before we get into any of that, got to talk about the Patreon, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited, where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. Look, we're not going to talk about it too much this week. The Discord is great. You can get access to a bunch of other stuff for some higher tier rewards. And each and every week, we want to make sure we welcome our new patrons. And we got some folks to welcome to the fold this week in AJ, Josh, Christopher, Sandro, Ick, OD, Dylan, James, Wilson, Peter, Solomon, Nils, Sung, Marcus, Chikander, Hutch, and Henry. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. The Discord really is keeping me in touch with magic during marching man season. I check it, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 times daily during passing periods at school. It's probably making me a worse teacher than I would be otherwise, (laughs) but I'm very glad to have it to get my magic fixed during the day while I'm really busy right now. The Discord has only really been created so that Ben during his busy season can stay in touch. And now it's really come to fruition here. So you're welcome, Ben. I remember when we started it about like a couple months after we started it, you told me that there was a Discord app for the phone. And I was like, oh, no, it's all over. <laughs> I downloaded it and it was it was just, that was just the end of it. Life changing moment for you. I also remember when we first started and I was like, I think we should start a Discord. And you were like, what is this? <laughs> I said, remember some that as chat well. room. I don't want to do that. But now look at you. You're addicted. I'm a fiend. We are now also partnering with Coalesce Apparel and Design, Magic's newest apparel company. And as part of that, we've got a gift code for you to get 10% off your order, which pertains to any apparel on their website, not just our merchandise. And that code is LOL, all caps. I'm repping my Lords of Limited t-shirt right now. It is very comfortable. I got my hashtag, I'm with Ethan on the back. Highly recommend you go pick one up. Strike fear into the hearts of your FNM opponents when you sit down across the table from them. Intimidation is real. Tonight, I I went to dinner at my in-laws and my brother-in-law showed up with his own Lord's Limited shirt with the hashtag I'm with Ethan on the back. It was really sweet. Yeah. 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 Uh, All right. So want to touch on just a few like state of the format things before we dive into this draft that you've got for us to uh, to go through. Look, folks, I'm sure that if you're listening to this podcast, you know that white is good in this format. And I'm sure if you're drafting on Arena or with bots or maybe even at your LGS, you are noticing that white is incredibly underrated by the bots and people alike. Uh, I just wrote my Cards for Your article this week on being whitelisted in Eldraine Limited and why white is so good and going over all the commons that I think are really worthwhile. And you're just seeing a lot of them go super, super late and they all work together. You've got the adventure synergies, night synergies, all of my top drafted commons, like 12 deep are either colorless or white because I just end up in that color and in decks that are aggressive so very often. A lot of mine are colorless white and then I've got some red and green sprinkled in there. I have barely drafted blue in the format and black. I keep trying to draft black, but I keep getting pushed off of black. It's tough to draft black right now, I think. I think so too. I mean, black is very, very good. It's the best color in sealed, as we said a couple weeks ago. And I think it's a really strong color in draft too, just because of the removal that you get in Bake and Reeve, but also you can go many commons deep and have a lot of really strong, like C-level role players, depending on what kind of deck you want. 
Um, but I would just really encourage people, if you have some sort of stigma against white from as a holdover from M20 or from War of the Spark or Modern Horizons, that you really, really should let that go because the color is very strong and the white aggressive decks are very good. Has there been something that's been this good that's been this underdrafted for this long? Not that I can remember. I mean, it, I keep people keep telling me like, oh, yeah, well, it's just like bias against it from, you know, M20. I'm like, it, the format's been out for over a month. How do you still have this bias against it? Surely you've been beaten by the deck a number of times to recognize that the cards are good. Maybe you and I are the only two drafting it out there. <laughs> you think so? It's just just you and me every other draft sleeving up those fairy guide mothers and those flutter foxes. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to point out because I think we came in really hot on a lot of the colorless cards being good early picks to hashtag delay the decision. Um, but And you, I think, got there before me in terms of what I'm about to say, which is that I think we're both down on scalding cauldron from that initial take i think i maybe had that i certainly had that ahead of golden egg back when we were talking about carlos cards i now do not have that as the case i think golden egg is much less replaceable than scalding cauldron because the thing about cauldron is one it is not currently being correctly evaluated by people i see them going very very late a lot of the times especially in pack one um so i don't feel like i need to prioritize them because my neighbors aren't prioritizing them but also i don't really want more than one in a deck like the second one as you said before we started recording the show the second one goes down in value quite a bit yeah absolutely i agree with that 100 percent um and i also found my tuppy deck of the format ben blue green is the splash deck i think yeah i've been very impressed with blue green not necessarily splashing but just blue green as a deck is so it, it can go over the top it's got a lot of late game punch and i do really think it is what wizards advertised I think it's ramp and card draw and late game fatties. You know, you you ramp into a couple Garenbrig Paladins, you draw some cards, and all of a sudden you've got a lot of threats that your opponent has to deal with. Yeah, I had the benefit of watching uh, Mike Sigrist stream a bunch this week. He was streaming on Magic Online, so I felt very at home watching him. Uh, and he was prepping for the Mythic Championship coming up next weekend. Or in, is it next weekend? Two weekends? I don't know. I think it's next, week, next weekend. Um, and I, They've killed the Pro Tour for me. <laughs> I don't follow much anymore. <laughs> well, anyway, he he was drafting blue green a lot. He was ending up in blue green. And I was sort of asking him like what his thoughts of the deck were. Cause blue green is like my least drafted color pair. And he was like, yeah, I usually end up in like blue green splash. And I was like, splash you say and then <laughs> you have my interest you've got my attention but i was sort of noticing like a lot of interesting interactions it seemed like the deck had like a beatdown game plan but then also just had like a couple merfolk secret keepers and it didn't say please and was maybe gonna mill people out he really liked kenrith's transformation that's the one in a green enchantment that turns a thing into a 3-3 elk and you draw a card when it comes into play and i was noticing how that is a really good interaction with merfolk secret keeper because like you just make your opponent's thing a 3-3 and you have an 0-4 to block it um, and just lots of little things. And when I drafted the deck myself, I drafted a blue, green, splashing red and black for some bomby bombs. I had like a lock mirror serpent. I also had a mad ratter and a card that I really like in this deck is Grum Gully. That's the one red, green, uncommon three, three that has non-human creatures enter the battlefield with an additional plus and plus one counter on them. That in conjunction with improbable alliance, which is a good splash card um, and or like banner to splash for or to pump rat tokens from mad ratter i've done that um so you just get a lot of good fixing uh with colorless cards like eggs or heraldic banner or the green cards like beanstalk giant and acolyte and i actually think this is a really 
good deck. I know we've been down on fixing in the format for like the majority of our episodes, but I do think this is a home for splashing some powerful cards. Is it something you think it's good enough that you're supposed to look to get into it? Or is this something to do if your draft is not going well? Like where, where does this rank in the archetypes for you right I, now? I think somewhere between those two modes. Like I'm not looking to force it or anything. One, because I just think white is so much what I'm going to end up doing a lot of the time. I think what you open in terms of bombs lends me to go down this route. If my first few picks are in the fixing family, maybe I go down this route. But I do think you want to make sure you have the powerful things like any format where there is a like multicolor good stuff deck, it's reliant on getting those bomb rares or those strong uncommons because you need some power level to make up for the times where your deck isn't super consistent. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so we've got a draft to go through from your own log here. Anything you want to have us like look out for before we dive into pack one, pick one? I don't think so. Just fasten your seatbelts and come along for the ride. All right, great. Well, I'm going to take us through pack one here for you, Ben. So pack one, pick one, you see the following cards as options. In terms of strong uncommons, I'd say the only one worth mentioning or two maybe worth mentioning are Rimrock Knight and Charmed Sleep. And then we move on to the uncommons. There's a Witch's Oven. That's the single mana artifact. Tap, sack, or creature, make a food token. Or if the creature's toughness was four or greater, you make two foods. There's Embrith Shieldbreaker. This is one on a red for the 2-1 Human Knight. Ben, do you know the name of the adventure on Embrith Shieldbreaker? I am cheating because I'm looking at the card ah. right now. There would not have been a chance, though. <laughs> so this adventure here is Battle Display for Single Red Sorcery, Destroy Target Artifact. There's Arcanist's Owl. That's the Azorius Hybrid uncommon it's a three three this is an artifact creature itself folks don't let it fool you it's a three three flyer and when it enters the battlefield you look at the top four cards of your library you may reveal an artifact or enchantment card from among them and put it into your hand and our rare is escape to the wilds three red green for a sorcery exile the top five cards of your library you may play cards exiled this way until the end of your next turn and you may play an additional land this turn now ben i know you did not like this card earlier in the format where are you at now I, do, I still don't like it. It's unexplained vision. Yeah, but it's unexplained vision in a color that doesn't get get that opportunity. That's like, you know, if blue had Doomblade, you'd be like, well, it's just Doomblade. But it's in a color that doesn't get that ability, you know? But Doomblade's so much better than unexplained vision. So it's not unexplained vision. It's really draw four most of the time. Like you're going to get to play two lands and two spells from this most of the time. I think I have had some horrible piles. I've played with this in two different decks and neither time have I been impressed with it. I've trophied with this deck, so I don't know what you're doing wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I need to get luckier on my looking at the top five, apparently. Apparently. So Escape to the Wild's probably not on either of our lists here, I think, to pack one, pick one. It's a card that I like, but it's not a reason for me to get into red-green. It's a card that I'm like, well, if I'm in red-green and I open this or get past it, then I'll consider it. Right. That's not a that's not a bomb rare. No, I'm not saying it's a bomb rare. Okay, Twitch chat's trying to tell me it's a bomb rare. No, it's not a bomb. So this boils down immediately to me between Arcanist Owl and Ember's Shieldbreaker on power level. We don't have any of the best commons in the pack. I've been very impressed with Ember Shieldbreaker when you have a target to hit, but when you don't have a target, it's a little lackluster. Yeah. I think just overall, we're looking to take the best card in the pack, and I think that's Arcana Cell. Yeah, I think I might even take Witch's Oven over Shieldbreaker, pack one, pick one. I'm not 
there yet, but I think that's a defensible position, certainly. Yeah, but I'm with you on Arcanus Al as most powerful card in the pack. And honestly, as we've been talking about with hybrids from our monocolored episode, maybe even the most flexible here. So I like it. Moving on to pack one, pick two. See the following cards as option. We've got a trapped in the tower, and I think that's probably the best common here. And then moving on to the uncommons. We've got Improbable Alliance. That's the blue-red enchantment. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, you make a 1-1 blue fairy creature token with flying and has the activated ability for blue-red draw a card, then discard a card. And there's also an Enchanted Carriage. That's the 5-mana 4-4. When it enters the battlefield, you make two 1-1 white mouse creature tokens, and it has a crew cost of 2. Yeah, this is interesting here. I think I'm, I'm ruling out Enchanted Carriage, I think, because I think the other two cards are enough better than it Mm -hmm. that I want to take them here and then I think it's tempting on some level to take trapped in a tower to go along with your arcanist owl like it's an enchantment it can get found by the arcanist owl can set you up to be white or blue white but I think you're just giving up too much power if you do that so ultimately I landed on improbable alliance here as a very powerful build around and what I think is the most powerful card in the pack and what I'm really trying to do in Eldraine drafts unless something dictates otherwise drastically is just to take the best card out of the pack for the first, you know, X number of packs until I really feel like I'm getting sent clear signals on a lane to to maybe start to stroll down. Yeah, I agree with that. I have so, so seldomly ended a draft and been like, oh, I don't have enough playables. And I've had drafts where I've pivoted to my color pair in pack two. So I think it's very correct. And not saying that something like Trapped in the Tower isn't a strong card, but Improbable Alliance, if blue-red is open or if green-blue splash is open, where I think this card is also very much at home, if those decks are open and you don't have Improbable Alliance, you're really going to feel that loss. And I think you're supposed to sort of, at least in these first few picks, draft the hard way, which for me, I think, means taking the best card in the pack in a vacuum, regardless of what's already in your pile, or with very small consideration of what's already in your pile. Right. I think I think if you know if there's close, you're certainly using what you've already got as a tiebreaker. Yes, agreed. All right. So we've got the owl and the alliance, and we go to pack one, pick three. You see the following cards as options. Of the commons, we've got a bunch of clunkers really i'd say tome raider and so tiny are probably chief among them and then at the uncommon level we've got an inspiring veteran red white for the two two human knight other knights you control get plus one plus one and deathless knight the golgari hybrid four two for a skeleton knight with haste and whenever you gain life for the first time each turn you return deathless knight from your graveyard to your hand yeah so this is a tough pick here and i think i actually made the wrong pick so I landed on Tome Raider, which is two and a blue for the one one flyer that draws your card, matches up very well with Improbable Alliance. But I think that's getting a little too tunnel visioned here early. Tome Raider's fine, but it's not a card that you're really gonna miss, I think, if blue red card draws open. Or or more, I should say, if blue red card draws open, you should be picking up Tome Raiders or Ops, or you shouldn't have trouble getting effects that are going to draw you a second card if that deck is open. Yeah, I think the thing I dislike about this pick is that I've really come down on Tome Raider. If I'm not in blue-red, this is not a card I'm happy to play almost ever. Because in like a blue-black control deck, I feel like it's very easy to think that this card wants to exist there. But 
but it's really just like a three mana draw card chump blocker in that deck. Like if you don't have any draw two synergies, like I, even if you're just in a blue black deck and you've got, you know, a fairy vandal that can grow or something, then I'm more excited about this. But if you're just playing it as a three mana one, one cantripper, I don't think that's good enough. I think you can do better. Right. And I think I was underrating Deathless Knight. I've had a chance to play with and against this a little more. And I think this card is just premium. I think it's one of the better hybrid uncommons. And I think, you know, I have a chance of playing Arcanist Owl, Improbable Alliance, and Tome Raider all in the same deck. I've been very heavy blue splashing some Improbable Alliances before, and I think that's where my brain was at. Mm-hmm. But looking back on this draft log, when I got to this pick, I was like, ooh, I think I should have taken Deathless Knight there. Yeah, I think if we're using the same logic that we used for the Improbable Alliance pick, I like taking Deathless Knight here. Right. And we're not going to play Owl and Deathless Knight in the same deck, and that's okay. But we're giving ourselves options to go down if we take the Deathless Knight here. And I think having options in Throne of Eldraine draft is really powerful. So I think I made the wrong pick there. Hundo percent agree. All right, moving on to pack one, pick four. We've got the following cards as options. I think it's just I think it's just the uncommons here to discuss as uh, our best commons in the pack are a Rosethorn Acolyte or a Smitten Swordmaster. Uh, the two uncommons that we're looking at are Keeper of Fables, three green green for the four or five cat whenever one or more non-human creatures you control deal combat damage to a player draw a card and epic downfall one in a black for a sorcery exile target creature with converted mana cost three or greater yeah nothing that matches up super well with any of our picks especially since i accidentally or incorrectly not accidentally incorrectly <laughs> took the dome raider last pick and so i think we're again just looking to take the best card out of this pack and i think the epic downfall is better than keeper of fables in my pick or Yeah, and I'm with you there for sure. I like both of these cards quite a bit, and I would be happy to take either of them fourth here, but I will take Epic Downfall over the Keeper. And I got to say, I think a lot of people, a lot of our listeners perhaps, might be uncomfortable with this kind of a draft start. Like Owl, blue-white hybrid, very highly color committing, into Improbable Alliance, strong build around, blue-red, uh, Tome Raider, but let's say we took Deathless Knight and then you have Epic Downfall. That's a lot of different directions. Can you talk about like where your head's at here when you're just like pick four and things seem all over the place? Are you a little nervous at all? I'm not remotely nervous in this format. I feel empowered right now. <laughs> I feel like I have many paths to choose from, all of which could end up very well. So I, I think there's zero chance of me getting cut right now. And especially if I had taken Deathless Knight last pack, I would have been head over heels in love with Epic Downfall here. And still, even as it was, after taking the Tome Raider, I was thinking, okay, maybe I'm not blue red. Maybe I'll play black, whatever. It's so, I feel like I have so long to figure out what I want to do in Throne of Eldraine. Very, very fluid. So we'll take those strong picks moving into pack one, pick five. And here are going to be some commons that are going to dictate our picks. I think it's really just... The one, Ardenvale Tactician, this is the one white, white, two, three flyer. Dizzying Swoop is the adventure to tap two creatures. Uh, you know, that's one of the best commons in the set. Certainly the best white common. I think anything else in consideration of this pack, Curious Pair, Lonesome Unicorn. But I, I think this is a pretty clear tactician. I think it's a clear tactician as well. And I think this is starting to be a signal, except there's a rare and two uncommons missing. So there's only one common taken over this. So it's it's some sort of a signal, but I don't know what what amount yet but i'm glad to take the tactician here and again we're still finding our way maybe we play the tactician with the owl with blue who knows yeah more signals are coming up here in pack one pick six we have a number of strong commons in white with trapped in the tower and fairy guide mother 
there's also a Reaper of Night and a Curious Parrot common still. Uncommon is Kenrith's Transformation. That's the aura we talked about that turns a creature into an elk and cantrips. And a rare still in the pack, Castle Vantress. I think this is my favorite of the castles. Uh, it enters the battlefield tapped unless you control an island. It taps to add blue, uh, or you can pay two blue blue and tap it to scry two. Ben, I've had the pleasure of playing this twice with your favorite card in the format which is fires of invention baby yeah this is this is a mana sink i can get behind with fires of invention yeah keep that gasoline flowing so what do you what do you think about this pack i feel like this is a really strong white signal so there's two uncommons missing and then that means there's three commons that were picked here over trapped in a tower and fairy guide mother there's no blue cards left in the pack unless you count castle vantress there's only one black card one red card so just like Going by amount of colors and certainly the power level of the white cards that are still here, I feel like I'm really seeing a strong, strong data point that white is what I should be doing, especially after getting that tactician last pick. Yeah. And so just based on pick order, we're going to be taking Trapped in the Tower over Fairy Guide Mother. Is there a point where you could imagine taking Guide Mother over a copy of Trapped? Yeah, absolutely. Once I had two traps and I needed to lower my curve or you know, really had some synergy with as far as adventuring. Maybe I had edge wall innkeepers. I can certainly imagine scenarios where I'm taking fairy guide mother over trapped in a tower later in the draft. But here, pack one, pick six, we're taking the, the removal spell. Absolutely. Pack one, pick seven, more white. And it's like medium white, but still pretty good. Silver flame ritual, the three and a white sorcery, put a plus and plus one counter on each creature you control. Adamant bonus gives everyone vigilance. Prized Griffin. I feel like this card gets a ton of hate and it's a totally serviceable finisher. Four and a white, three, four flyer. Beyond that, there's a Rimrock Knight. There's an Opt. There is still a rare in the pack in Hushbringer. The one and a white, one, two, flying lifelink creatures entering the battlefield or dying don't cause abilities to trigger. Have you lived the Hushbringer plus Clackbridge Troll dream? No, I haven't. I have also not. I don't really want to play Hushbringer. I mean, it's fine, but... It's just understated. I, I don't want one power for two mana in my white decks. That's so funny because I want to find a reason to play Hushbringer. I keep having to make myself not draft it, but that card's really attractive to me for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I can't imagine that was your pick here, though. It was not. I did the responsible thing and I took Prize Griffin. And at this point, I feel like I'm locking in white most likely as a base color. Yeah, that seems like a pretty strong signal that you're receiving. And, I, and I'm also noting a late Rimrock Knight as well. So noting the late Rimrock Knight, does that make you go, perhaps I should be thinking about white-red? I mean, I'm always thinking about white-red when I'm drafting white because I think that's the best color that pairs with white. Uh, it makes me feel like I should be considering red as a second color. And I think Rimrock Knight's a better card than Prize Griffin, you know, pack one, pick one. We got to take the Griffin there to solidify ourselves into white, I think. Rimrock Knight is not powerful enough on its own for me to take this late in pack one as my first red card, but I'm just making a mental note that I, I saw some good late red cards. A, a good late red card, rather, not multiple. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Pack one, pick eight just before the wheel. Um, probably the best common here is unexplained vision, the four and a blue draw three. And you got an uncommon still in the pack, Ben, and it's inspiring veteran, the red, white, two, two night lord. Yeah. Boom, baby. I'm snapping that up and, you know, going to play it if I end up white, red. Yeah. I mean, that feels great. I feel like I, we see those late. Do you think you might wheel the other one you saw? Wouldn't That would be crazy. 
yeah, would be absolutely insane. So pack one, pick three, we saw an inspiring veteran in the pack and would be absolutely insane if we wheeled that other one. That would certainly make me lock in white red if we got that one on the wheel. And that's not crazy to think of. I've seen that happen before. Yeah, absolutely. Pack one, pick nine, wheeling out of your first pack. We see a couple white commons in Knight of the Keep and Prized Griffin and three red commons with Bloodhaze Wolverine, Red Cap Raiders, that's the 3-2 that can gain Trample for three, and one copy of Seven Dwarves. Seven Dwarves has impressed me. Have you been on the receiving end of some Seven Dwarf beatdowns? I've been on the receiving end of some Seven Dwarf beatdowns a few times. I don't I don't know if I'm ready to say impressed. And I've never done it. I don't think I've ever drafted a bunch of Seven Dwarves. I've tried to get there. Three's the most copies I've ever gotten of it. I have, once you're staring down three of them on the battlefield, it's a great card. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's happened for my opponents multiple times. I've been very impressed from seven dwarves in, in my opponent's mono red decks. Regardless here, though, I took prized Griffin again. I just want to get deep into white. I, I feel like I've seen good late white cards and I want to lock in white as my base color. And I want to give myself time to steer and find what my second color is going to be. And again, it's feeling like it's increasingly going to be red, especially with this pick right here. So I have a question for you. Having just picked up the inspiring veteran and already having a prized Griffin, I know it's a worse card, but I don't love having like a ton of five drops in my white decks. Any consideration to taking the Knight of the Keep here? I don't think so. That card's so D-ish to me. Yeah. I'm hoping to never have Knight of the Keep in my deck. Oh, see, this is why you were resisting the mono white deck you were drafting today. <laughs> I, yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's greater than the sum of its parts, my friend. I mean, yes, the card is totally D filler. All right, moving on to pack one, pick 10. We've got another Knight of the Keep here and also a Lords of Limited preview card, Jousting Dummy. And there's still an uncommon in the pack, the Skull Knocker Ogre, three in a red for the 4-3 Ogre that when it attacks mostly has downside. But uh, what do you take out of this pack? Yeah, so again, all red and white here. So all signs pointing towards red as a secondary color right now. But we are not nowhere near there yet. Uh, we have a lot of options. I'm taking Jousting Dummy out of this pack over the Knight of the Keep and the Skull Knocker Ogre to keep my options open. It's great in white. Jousting Dummies is just a good card. I'm shocked that this isn't higher up in my top drafted commons. I feel like I grab Jousting Dummies at every opportunity because it's just a serviceable two drop. And if you have Knight Synergies, it's it's better than serviceable. It's crazy to me that this is a card I, I've included this card or two copies of this card many, many times in my draft decks and not been mad about it. The amount of cards in this format that are like, this looks like a copy of a bad card we've seen before, but this is a good card is really impressive. Mm -hmm. You want to round out the uh, end of this pack here and give us a little synopsis of where you were at? Yeah, so pack one, pick 11, I got a late Garenbrig Carver. That's the 3-2 that has the adventure, one and a green, give a creature plus two, plus two. That's very late for that card to go, so snap that up. Pack one, pick 12, I took a True Love's Kiss for the sideboard over an Idyllic Grange, which is the white land that checks for three planes and then gives a plus one, plus one counter if you got them. And then pack one, pick 13, I got an Ardenvale Paladin. That's the 2-5, that's a 3-6 if you have Adamant when you cast it. Pack one, pick 14, got a Witch's Cottage, and pack one, pick 15, got gifted a Silver Flame Ritual. Ooh. So if we check in on the deck at the end of pack one, we've got five definite playables in our pile if we're counting white as a base color, which I think, I've, I feel like I've locked in at this point in Jousting Dummy, Trapped in a Tower, Ardenvale Tactician, and two times Prized Griffin. So we've got five guaranteed playables, and then we have one great card in three other colors. So Epic Downfall, if we go black inspiring veteran if we go white red and arcanist owl if we go white blue and arcanist owl also potentially playable if we're heavy base white and just splashing another color as well 
I've moved Improbable Alliance to the sideboard. I think it's unlikely that we're going to play that. And then we've got other other playables, Tome Raider, if we wanted to go blue-white, and Garenberg Carver, if we wanted to dip our toes into green, and then some other white fillerish type cards in Silver Flame Ritual and Ardenvale Paladin that we're hoping don't make the deck. So if I'm taking stock of what I need going into pack two, really hoping to lower my curve and get pointed in a direction for either a second color or more of a game plan for the deck, because I feel like we've just got a collection of cards right now. Maybe we're going harder on artifacts with the Arcanusal, maybe we're going Knights if we pick red as a secondary color with the Inspiring Veteran, but want to get nudged in a direction. But I feel like I've identified white as my base color, and I really am trying to sort out what that second color is going to be. Sounds good. I'm excited to see where this goes. All right, I'm going to take you through pack two, because I had a few very difficult decisions here at the beginning of pack two, and I want to see what you would have taken. Sweet. So pack two, pick one. You see the following cards as options. There's a Flutter Fox, the one in a white 2-2. If you've got an artifact or an enchantment, it has flying. And then when we get to the uncommons, there's an edge wall innkeeper. Ben S has this as the best uncommon in the set. What do you think about that? I think Ben S is playing on arena. <laughs> Single green for the 1-1. One, one. Whenever you cast a creature spell that has an adventure, you draw a card. There's also a Foulmire Knight, single black for the 1-1 one, one Death Touch, and the Adventure Profane Insight, two and a black for the instant, you draw a card and lose a life, and your rare is Witch's Vengeance, one black black for a sorcery. Creatures of the type of your choice get minus three, minus three until end of turn. Can I talk to you about Witch's Vengeance for a minute? You can, please do. I don't like this card at all. I think this card is worse than Reeve Soul. Why is that? I just think, well, so one, I don't like its color requirements and two i don't think that this like kills the things it basically has to be you're playing against a knight deck and you also don't have a bunch of knights in play which is not super likely for a lot of black decks i have found this card to be very clunky whenever i've included it in decks yeah it feels situational it feels like there's times you can just snipe off something though like if your opponent's got a flutter fox you name fox like there are enough random creature types that but i agree there's gonna be times that it's awkward i have not played with it yet it has blown me out when i've been on nights that's Mm -hmm. been my experience with the card yeah i mean it's very depressing when you're on nights and your opponent has this but i think other than that this card is kind of medium to me and just i mean like just for it being a rare where i'm like i think i'm taking number of uncommons over this or number of commons over this yeah i could see that i would take bake over that i think yeah so this is a really interesting pick so we know we're base white you've got your toe into black red or blue you did see a late garen brig carver in pack one so that could be a slight nod towards the innkeeper i mean innkeeper is the most powerful card in this pack for me if this were pack one pick one so innkeeper sort of has to be in the conversation even though we weren't really thinking about green at all in pack one the other option for me i think is foulmire knight to think about going the epic downfall life i understand that golden egg and flutter fox keep you you know on the path of like delaying the decision and you know your base white like you're happy to play flutter fox but it's just not powerful enough for me to consider taking it here Pack two, pick one. I think it's just a little early in the round of picks to take Fox. That's what I decided. And I took Edgewall Innkeeper. And immediately after I made the pick, I felt like I made the wrong pick because I don't have tons of playables right now. I've only got five playables in white. And Flutter Fox is very good if you're in white. And we don't know what our second color is yet, but we've got a lot of good options for second colors already. And Innkeeper's just adding another color. So then we've got like all four colors as options. But I think Flutter Fox is a good enough playable here. 
that I should have just sucked it up and taken Flutter Fox. Well, then why not just take Falmire Knight and be like, cool, this adds to the roster of like this plus Epic Downfall is going to be great. Because Flutter Fox is 100% to make my deck at this point. Falmire Knight and Innkeeper are like, what, 25% each maybe to make my deck? I feel like yeah. I'm open to any of the four colors. Yeah, I agree with that. I, yeah, and I don't fault you for taking the Innkeeper here. My other issue is white scene super open fox could wheel though it's not likely because there's not anything else in the pack but if you take flutter fox you're not gonna wheel anything here right right but i don't think flutter foxes wheel regularly i would not be expecting flutter fox to wheel no I w- i'm not expecting it. i'm just saying it's it's possible i don't know passing up when i'm already in base white passing up on Edgewall Innkeeper when I don't know what my second color is feels wrong. Right. And I did have, I had the Guide Mother and I had the Tactician. I just, I just got sucked in. And you had the Carver. So you think, you think Ed- Edgewall Innkeeper is the right pick here? I think so. I, that's what I took. It, it felt, it just felt bad immediately after I made it. it sounds like you're in pain now. Even I, I still, about I'm it. reliving it. Yeah. <laughs> you know me. I do. All right. Moving on to pack two, pick two. We've got another very tough pick here. So cards that are options. In commons, we've got Scorching Dragonfire, one in a red for the instant, deals three damage to target creature, a planeswalker. If that creature, a planeswalker, would die this turn, exile it instead. There's a Silver Flame Squire, one in a white for the 2 1, and has the instant adventure on alert. Two in a white, target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn, untap it. There is also, when we get to uncommon land and all that glitters, one in a white for the enchantment aura, enchant creature, enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one for each artifact and/or enchantment you control. And there's also a Wintermore Commander, white-black for the two-star Death Touch, and its toughness is equal to the number of knights you control. Whenever it attacks, another target knight you control gains indestructible until end of turn. So for me, I'm going to continue to delay the decision here and take Scorching Dragonfire. So I often feel like that late Inspiring Veteran that we saw in pack one, we saw the like late Rimrock Knight coming around. I often expect that when white is open, the white-red aggro is open. I think I want to take Scorching Dragonfire here. I like Silver Flame Squire, and this may seem weird with me having just taken the Innkeeper, passing up on an adventure, but in my experience drafting white, and I have a ton of experience drafting white in this format because it's always open, is that this is just too early to take Silver Flame Squire. If you're in white and you are, you're gonna see these late. I wouldn't be surprised if it wheeled out of this pack. Yeah, that that's fair. I felt like after taking the innkeeper, it was too perfect with what I was already worried about. It got me deeper into white. If I went white green, it matched up well with the innkeeper. If not, it was 100% to make my deck. If I had taken Flutter Fox last pack over the innkeeper, I think I would have taken Scorching Dragonfire here or even Wintermore Commander. Because honestly, I'm more excited about the epic downfall I've got than the Night Lord that I've got right now. Yeah, I think I agree with that, that the epic downfall is better than the Night Lord. But... I just think white red is going to be open so much more than white black is. Black just feels cut a lot, as you said. Yeah, definitely felt like we got the signals for red being open from our right at the end of pack one as well. Yeah. Um, It's interesting that you're more interested in taking the fox over the innkeeper, but if you had taken the fox that you would have taken Dragonfire over the squire here. Like, why is that decision different? Because then I would feel like I was locking in red as my second color, whereas the innkeeper just felt like another avenue to like go you were down. adding a fourth option as your yes. second color. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Okay, so a couple tough choices there to start at pack two. Moving on to pack two, pick three. We sort of get to take a pick off here. There's a Flutter Fox in the pack and literally nothing else despite us having all these avenues to go down. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of wild. The like, <laughs> best card a- in the pack is Covetous Urge, but we're so far from casting that. 
Right. Not a single green card in the pack. Nothing red of interest. Nothing black of interest. Very weak pack. So snap up a Flutter, Flutter Fox there. Moving on to pack two, pick four. Another very weak pack where there's not really any decisions. The commons are all pretty poopy. There's a Witching Well, a Tempting Witch, Bartered Cow as the best white card in the pack. And then moving to the uncommons, there's a Thunderous Snapper, but we're super far away from that. And then so we snatch up the only thing that is of interest to us, which is Wintermore Commander, the white black gold card that we just saw a couple picks earlier. Yeah, it's been really weird. First two picks, super tough. And then the next two sort of like picking themselves. Yep. Moving on to pack two, pick five, another very weak pack here, cards in consideration. There's a Knight of the Keep, that 3-2 Vanilla. There's a Ginger Brute. One mana for the 1-1. One, one. Haste can't be blocked except by creatures with haste if you pay a mana or you can sacrifice it to gain three life. There's Garenbrick Paladin. This card moves up my pick order a lot. I think this might be the third best green common for me right now. What do you think Ooh, about that? Ooh, I like that. I'm in for that. I, though I may have to also throw in Rose Thorn Acolyte now that I've discovered blue green splishy splash. Yeah, that makes sense. Garenbrick Paladin, I just find myself every time I draft green wanting two to three copies of Garenbrick Paladin. So it's the four and a green 4-4 four, four with Adamant. And if you paid the Adamant, it gets a plus one plus one counter and can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. There's this thing on Magic Online when people are casting Adamant spells where like their mana floats in the corner and you like have this pause where you're like, what, what is the thing they're casting? Is this Unexplained Vision? Is this Garenberg Paladin? And whenever I have a green opponent who is floating the mana for an Adamant spell and has five mana, I'm just like, not a Paladin, please. Not a Paladin. Just anything else. Anything else would be great. And it's always Paladin. Yep. There's also a Shine Chaser in the pack. One white blue for a 1-1 one, one flyer with Vigilance. Gets plus one, plus one as long as you've got an artifact and gets another plus one, plus one if you've got an enchantment. Despite me not being a huge fan of Shine Chaser, I do think it's the pick here. It's sort of weird, but like you're still figuring out what avenue you're going down. And this is the best white X card in the pack. Yeah, there's really nothing else remotely of interest here. And I agree. Shine Chaser was the pick. Moving on to pack two, pick six. This is a more powerful pack, but again, it's a little weird. So we're sort of dipping our toe a little deeper into blue. There's a Merfolk Secret Keeper. There's Hypnotic Sprite, double blue for the 2-1 flyer and has the Adventure Mesmeric Glare, two and a blue counter target spell with convert a mana cost three or less. And then there's also an All That Glitters hanging out in the pack. I mean, I guess All That Glitters is okay because, it, you know, you just picked up a Shine Chaser, you have the Owl, you have Trapped. Maybe you could start to pick up some Brutes. All That Glitters is not a card that I like. Uh, Alex Corticals likes it quite a bit. And so I think I'm just going to sort of trust him because he's a good a card evaluator and a good player and is having good success with the format but it's not a card that i have enjoyed playing with i mean i think it exists in best of one as just sort of a like trying to cheese some wins but in you know best of three on magic online i don't love this card but i don't think i want to take a blue blue card in hypnotic sprite either so i think all the glitter seems fine that's where I was at. I didn't want double blue for the hypnotic sprite and secret keepers pretty far away from where we're at right now as far as trying to build a cohesive game plan this deep into pack two. Agree. Moving on to pack two pick seven. Uh, you got sort of a curve pick here. Youthful knight versus prized griffin versus knight of the keep and nothing else really of interest in the pack. Yeah. Uh, youthful knight for me. I want as many two drops as possible in my white decks and I think youthful knight is incredibly serviceable. Yep. That's what I snatched up there. Moving on to pack two, pick eight. Another tough decision here. There's several good artifacts in the pack. There's a ginger brute and a jousting dummy. And then uncommon wise, there is still a wandermare hanging out here. Pack two, pick eight, one green white for the three, three. And whenever you cast a creature spell with an adventure, put a plus one, plus one counter on wandermare. 
I mean, despite me really wanting to make the green-white adventure deck work, having taken the Edgewell Innkeeper to go with our white cards, it just hasn't happened. And Wandermare is not a card that I think really matters a ton in those decks anyway. So I would be continuing to hashtag delay the decision, which is one of the reasons I think this format is super awesome. Like you're going to end pack two and not know what your second color is. That's a, and not be worried about making playables. I mean, maybe you were a little bit at the time, but I wouldn't be here. I think you're going to be totally fine. Yeah, I, fe- I still felt comfortable at this point. So it's between the two colorless cards in Ginger Brute and Jousting Dummy. I think I would take the second Jousting Dummy thinking about it pairing with the uh, Inspiring Veteran, but I could definitely see taking Ginger Brute to pair with your All the Glitters as well. That's where my head was at. I took the Ginger Brute having just snapped up the All the Glitters, and I think Ginger Brute does excel in that blue-white All the Glitters enchantment deck. I think there is an aggro version of that, and that's what I was trying to draft here. I did pass on the Wandermare for the reasons you mentioned. That I just felt like we literally hadn't seen green adventure cards And I had been on the lookout for them for an entire pack here in pack two. And I didn't feel like we saw tons of green in pack one. Right. Yeah, it it wasn't super open from the right. And if it's not open from the left, I don't think it's a a reason to get in there. Yeah. So pack rounded out here. Pack two picked up a Frogify, pick nine, a Jousting Dummy, pick 10, pick 11. We see some good late blue here. We got a Moonlit Scavengers, pick 11. Snatch that up, five and a blue for the four or five on ETBs if you control an artifact or an enchantment, which we are hoping to do if we're playing blue. Return target creature and opponent controls to its hand. Pick 12, we wheel a Witching Well. Wow. That's a great playable. That's a top common that we're wheeling there. Yeah. And then pick 13, we get a Mystical Dispute. Pick 14, getting a River Turtle. So a lot of blue cards coming around late there. So at the end of pack two, here's our situation. We have 11 cards that are definitely making the deck in white. We've got six playables in blue as far as Shine Chaser, the Owl, Frogify, Scavengers, Witching Well, and Tome Raider potentially. Lots of those we picked up late there in pack two, which is encouraging that we got good cards playable in our deck late. We have two playables if we want to go black in the Wintermore Commander and the Epic Downfall. We have one playable in red in the Inspiring Veteran. And we have two playables if we want to go green in the Edgewall Innkeeper and Garenbrig Carver. So I'm mostly leaning towards blue-white here after getting those late blue playables, but I still feel like no matter what I open, we could go in whatever direction we wanted here. I think there's there's it's within the realm of possibility that we play any color along with white. I think it's most likely that it's blue followed by black, followed by green, followed by red at this point with the route I've taken. I think you made a couple picks differently than me that I think would make red a much more viable option for you. Yeah. Well, I'll be interested to see where this goes, if you can stick with blue or if you have to bob into uh, a final second color other than blue. So uh, diving into pack three, pick one, you've got some good commons here, Ben. You've got an out muscle and a bacon to a pie. There's also a rimrock knight here, though that's much farther behind those other two. Moving on to the uncommons, you see a slaying fire. That's two in a red for an instant deal three to any target. Uh, Adamant makes that four to any target. Heraldic Banner, the three mana artifact. In ETBs, you choose a color. It taps to add one mana of the chosen color, and creatures you control of the chosen color get plus one plus oh. And the rare here is not in consideration for most decks, really, is Castle Garen Brig. That's the, the green version of that cycle. Yeah, this was another really tough pick because I haven't really solidified my second color yet. I didn't feel confident in any of the green, black, or red cards. I was hoping to be white blue at this point. Right. And so I took Heraldic Banner here. I, I don't I think that was right. I think it's it's still right to because I'm 100 percent going to play Heraldic Banner. It's going to help my mana situation out because I'm likely to be heavy white splashing another color. 
I'm going to have evasive cards. It's good with the youthful knight I've got, the, turning that into a 3-1 first strike. I just think it does enough little things. I've got enough cheap evasive flyers. It's good with the guide mother I've got. Giving your flyers plus one plus oh is pretty big game. So the only blue card in the pack here is Queen of Ice. I think both you and I are pretty down on that card. And the only white card in the pack is Outflank, which is a card I actually like quite a bit. I would put this in the category of looks like a bad card, but is actually a good card. Any thought to just taking that here? You don't have a copy of it yet, and I think most white decks want at least one copy of this card. This is an awful thing to admit on our podcast, but Outflank gets the award for the card that I just don't see in packs. (laughs) That's okay. I appreciate you admitting that. Look, the cards that people don't see in packs are not always bad cards. I definitely have been a victim of being like, oh, yeah, that card is in the pack. I just never see it. I think it's good. I've come come up on it. I've realized appropriately that it is a good card in the format. Uh, I still don't think it's the pick here. I think Heraldic Banner does enough good things for my deck that I like Banner more than Outflank. Yeah, I'm into that for sure. Just just wanted to, to point it out as the only white card. Pack three, pick two commons to point out here there's a so tiny and an unexplained vision as blue cards in the pack moving on to the uncommons there's another slaying fire there's an enchanted carriage and our rare is stolen by the fey ding 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 blue blue x sorcery return target creature with converted mana cost x to its owner's hand you create x one one blue fairy creature tokens with flying yeah, that card's great. It's a bomb, windmill slam. I think this is the reason we've stayed open for so long. And we were looking for a long time for a card of this power level to push us towards the second color. And we finally found it here. We were already hedging blue anyway, and this is going to cement me into blue white. So I, I take stolen by the Fey here and I lock in blue white. I've got the blinders on. I mean, barring something exceptional happening. And I'm trying to draft the blue white, best blue white deck I can, hoping to take advantage of artifact and enchantment synergies. We've got the owl. We've got the all the glitters. You look like a genius for taking heraldic banner now, too, for your 2-1 fairies. Heck yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So let's see if those blinders are going to stay on with power level here. Pack three, pick three cards in consideration. Only white card in the pack, Flutterfox. The only blue card in the pack is Corridor Monitor. A couple artifacts in the pack in Sorcerer's Broom and Witch's Oven. (laughs) And then uh, a rare here in Robber of the Rich. That's the one on a red 2-2 Reach Haste. A ton of other text here. Not super important because you've got the blinders up. Yeah. Slamming Flutterfox here. It's a perfect card for the deck. Really missing the one at the beginning of pack two that I didn't take because it would just be absolutely awesome in our deck right now, but I think Flutterfox is the way to go here. But Ben, you guys talk about Sorcerer's Broom all the time. It's in the pack. It's your <laughs> most drafted uncommon, and you're in the blue-white artifacts matter deck. Why aren't you taking Sorcerer's Broom? You sound like you sound like an eighth grade girl in my band class right now that's trying to, just trying to tell me why I'm not smart. Well, why don't you tell me why you are smart? Uh, I'm smart because Sorcerer's Broom is not synergistic at all with what i've got going on right now sorcerer's broom is at its best in a green deck we don't have hardly any sacrifice outlets right now maybe stone zero um so it's really not going to be what we want it to be yes it's an artifact we want artifacts to put things in the air and pump our shine chasers and stuff like that but flutterfox is just a premium threat in any blue white aggro like enchantment themed deck agreed you passed the test Pack three, pick four. There's another outflank, a knight of the keep, and a fairy guide mother as our white cards, and opt as a blue card. Yeah, just slamming fairy guide mother here. 
It's by far the best card in the pack. It goes perfectly in our deck. It's going to go well with Heraldic Banner. Yeah, moving on to pack three, pick five. Sort of a disappointing pick here. No blue cards to speak of. Two white cards that are both pretty clunk city. Beloved Princess and Shining Armor. Best card in the pack by a pretty significant margin is Rampart Smasher. That's the Gruel Hybrid 5-5 Giant. Can't be blocked by Knights or Walls. Yeah, this is a bit of a yikes. I was starting to wonder what happened because I felt pretty good about my read that wide was open in pack one. So maybe somebody opened a rare and moved in underneath me here. But I was a little concerned when I hit this pick. But I was committed to staying the course at this point. And Beloved Princess does go very well with all the glitters. So I snapped it up here. And I don't remember if this made my final deck or not. We'd have to look at the deck pick. Ooh, I'll be interested to see if I have to give you demerits or not for main decking Beloved Princess. Pack three, pick six. Only white card in the pack really to consider is Outflank as Righteousness. I do not think is a card you should ever play. That's the single white instant target blocking creature gets plus seven, plus seven until end of turn. Even if you have Fling, folks, I wouldn't put that in your deck. And then another defensive card in blue. Really, Blue has really dried up here for you. You've got a Mistford River Turtle as the only blue card here. Yeah, again, I was pretty worried when I saw this pack. I took the Outflank as the best card for my blue-white deck, but there's an OKM adversary chilling out here, the three green, two, three death touch that costs two less to cast if your opponent controls a green permanent. And whenever it deals damage to a player, you draw a card. Back to back, great green cards that we could have taken. That feels a little little bad that we didn't move in on green with the innkeeper. Some out muscles earlier in this pack. It feels like there's a universe that I could have gone green white, but it feels difficult to have seen a route to get there, like to have foreseen this happening based on how pack one and pack two went. I think maybe if you don't get that stolen by the Fae, it's possible. But once you have a card as powerful as that, and you were already leaning blue-white going into pack three, I don't think it's possible. Yeah. Like, if that's a green card, maybe you find your way there, but no way when it's a card like stolen. That makes sense. Pack three, pick seven. I'm interested to hear about this pick. So there's a True Love's Kiss, but you already have a copy of that, and you probably don't need to take a second one here. There's a Crashing Drawbridge. And a Charn Sleep, which is the one blue blue removal spell uh, at common. I think this was the worst pick I made in the whole draft. I took Crashing Drawbridge here, and my thought process was that I was going to be heavy white, lightly touching blue. You know, we've made big emphasis on your mana base being good and hedging towards one color like deep with 10-7 or 11-6 mana bases. And I was thinking that's where I was going to go because I didn't want to put a double blue card in my deck in Charm Sleep. What I was missing, though, was that I had a lot of cards that cared about enchantments, specifically the Shine Chaser that wanted a variety of artifacts and enchantments. And so I think just that card alone makes Charm Sleep the pick here, and I think I was overstating how heavy white I was. Yeah, I think grabbing Charm Sleep here is fine. Like, playing Charm Sleep on turn six or seven is still totally reasonable. Right. And speaking of Shine Chaser, holy late cards, Batman. Pack three, pick eight. Ding, ding, ding. You get a Shine Chaser <laughs> right alongside a Fireborn Knight, which is the Boros Hybrid 2-3 Double Striker. Right. And, you know, so I think there are avenues where we certainly could have ended up white-red as well. This was a super interesting draft and I think just shows how long you can go in this format before really committing to a lane. So we snapped up the Shine Chaser here, but certainly alternate universes where we end up in other decks yeah for sure so how does the draft round out and then what did the deck end up looking like yeah so we snag up a prophet of the peak pick nine a lockthwain gargoyle pick 10 giant opportunity pick 11 none of this making the deck prophet of the peak pick 12 garenbrig paladin pick 13 that's so late for that card don't let that happen ladies and gentlemen garenbrig paladin is my new my new boy <laughs> pack three pick 14 lash of thorns 
and a forest last pick. And so once we get all that settled in, we've got all our picks taken care of there. We look at the final build of the deck. We are blue-white. Uh, only blue cards in the deck are Stolen by the Fae, Moonlit Scavengers, Double Shine Chaser, Frogify, and Witching Well. But we still are playing seven islands. We've got a 10-7 mana base. Really wishing we had Charm Sleep. And I think I really wish I had Flutter Fox from pack two, pick one in the deck. But the deck turned out well. We've got two Flutter Foxes. We've got and all the glitters with a reasonable number of artifacts and enchantments to turn it on. We've got Arcanist Owl to dig for our stuff. We've got a very powerful card in Stolen by the Fae. I would expect this deck to 2-1 on average, and that is what it actually did. And I think I think that draft just really goes to show how deep this format is. And I, I'm very curious. I wish I could get inside my neighbor's decks and see what caused white to appear so open in pack one and then sort of dry up in pack two. But I think that was a really interesting draft. And I, I find lots of drafts like that in Eldraine where you can just go a long time trying to find your lane and then eventually one will present itself to you. I think that's why you and I like this format so, so much is that the drafting feels so incredibly rewarding for just picking up on those signals and staying open enough to reap the rewards of reading those signals correctly. I think it feels close to cube too, in that there's 15 decks to draft instead of 10. Yeah. And, and the decks all feel, you know, you can have, you can have a blue red deck that's focused on drawing cards, or you could have a blue red deck. That's a Merfolk secret keeper deck that's splashing red for some removal the variations in the color pairs and your ability to be creative and how you're constructing your game plan within color pairs, I just think I just think there's so much depth. Yeah, or that depth does exist or can exist, except all I ever get to do is play mono white aggro. <laughs> so please, people, start drafting white. Save Ethan. Hashtag draft white. <laughs> I think that's a great place to wrap us up here. Hope you enjoyed our walkthrough of our full 45. And I hope you learned something just with us talking through our thought process and taking stock of where we're at at the end of pack one, at the end of pack two. And if you don't do those things for yourselves, I would start doing those. I think it's great draft habit to get into. That is the number one thing when I do coaching sessions. I'll just throw a little spoiler out there. The number one thing I try and get people to do is go, okay, at the end of pack one, Talk me through like where we're at, what's going on, like what are we looking for in pack two? I think that's a really important thing to remind yourself of is that you should have an idea of what you're trying to do with your draft in the future packs. Like, is this a point where I can start to say, hey, I need two drops or I need removal or I need to figure out what my second color is or I need to figure out a way to finish games? Like you need to be thinking about building the deck as you're drafting it. I think one of the things I'm trying to do more in this format too, is if I'm still trying to decide on my second color in pack two, giving weight if it's close to what seemed open in pack one. Yes. Like giving, for example, in this, giving if there was a tough choice between a red card and another card, giving some weight to the red card because we felt like red had been open at the end of pack one. Yep. I think that's totally reasonable. And I think that should, though it did seem like the pack was a little wonky here with white kind of drying up, I think that should bear itself out to be true more often than not. Right, right. All right. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Come check us out on Twitch and Twitter. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later.
I have been very impressed with Brute. I have been very impressed with the God damn it. <laughs> impressed. Impressed. <laughs> very, very quiet. Only blue card in the pack. Carar- Carador Carador. Mon- Carador. Carador. Oh yeah, you never say anything incorrectly. 